This episode is being recorded on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish people. Hey everyone, this is Gabriel. And I'm Ravin. And this is Therapy After Hours. Alright everyone, welcome to our next episode. Today we're going to be talking about trauma responses and the bullshit of pop culture. (laughs) (laughs) Of pop psychology. Yes, yes. How many of you, you can't respond to us, but I'm just going to assume that so many people are going to relate to this, scroll through TikTok or scroll through Instagram and see these reels of, if you do this, it's probably a trauma response. Or like the put a finger down if you, and they do like all the fingers and it's like, you have trauma. All the time all the time and it'll be like everything yeah oh you're so clean that's a trauma response you like mangoes that's a trauma response <laughs> literally yeah okay we're getting into the anyways how we feel about it is obviously abundantly clear right yeah. off the bat yeah um but let's unpack it yeah so why don't we start with like what is a trauma response let's think about it from like a therapeutic perspective mm-hmm when you work with clients or when you conceptualize things, what does labeling something as a trauma response mean to you? Well, I normally don't use those words. Okay. Well, yeah, I was going to say I don't either. What do you use? <laughs> well, I try not to put a lot of psychobabble language into our work for mm. the same reason that it has been so weaponized by society. It has right. been used... And misused. And misused as a pop culture thing of like everything is a trauma response. So Mm -hmm. I try not to use that kind of language with my clients. Yeah. I normally will say something like, like, it makes sense that you are responding in this way when you've gone through some of these things Mm -hmm. without labeling as a trauma response. But I guess it's depending on, it's a case by case and, you know, it depends on the situation, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the issues and we talked about this in our like social media therapy episode. I forget what it was called, but it's just, it's oversimplified. Yes. When we, when we're seeing it online, trauma responses or the like are so complex and they're so different from person to person. And they're not just, if you do this, then it's a trauma response. Like it's so oversimplified. And that's one of the things that drives me crazy. And I also probably don't use that language because it can feel I think in the culture that we live in it can feel like it's really highlighting like oh there's something wrong with you like a problem to be fixed whereas I kind of view it as everything that we do meets a need and so I'll often frame it as like based on the things that we go through based on the experiences that we've had the needs that were met or not met we find ways to meet them. And sometimes that comes out in certain behaviors. And that's not necessarily a bad thing or something that we need to fix. Like, I don't have to fix that I like mangoes. You know? (laughs) Like, I can just acknowledge that maybe I grew up without a lot of mangoes. Mm. And now I really like them as an adult. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's part of this, why we're doing this. Here's the thing, like, even, like, on a quick Google search... There's this image of 10 things you didn't know were trauma responses. Listen to this one. Shutting down. Walking away. 
<laughs> playing the victim, keeping busy, playing the persec persec persecutor. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. ESL people. ESL. Mm. <laughs> people pleasing. You saying that your ESL is a trauma response. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Getting defensive. Emotional numbness. Dissociation and hyper independence. Like You know, I just I see these I'm hearing that list. And I'm just like so many of those things are like adaptive behaviors. Yeah. That we just develop as a way of existing and moving through the world. Like dissociation protects me. Sometimes I need to check out Absolutely. and not be in my body. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I guess when I was saying like the needs met, often I think what these trauma responses do is like, oh, if it's like an attempt to get safety, because I think of trauma as like safety being taken away. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, people-pleasing is one of the ones that comes up the most, Yeah, I would say, in my practice at least. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm a people-pleaser. And I need to fix that and I need to change it because it's a trauma response. Yeah, and I'm like, well, let's talk about how it all started. Yeah. And it normally happens that it's a survival skill. Mm -hmm. You know, if you grew up in a volatile environment in, in terms of, you know, your parents or caretakers or grandparents, whoever was it, right? Or teachers or siblings, where you notice that to make sure that you felt safe and everything went all right, or your younger siblings or any of your siblings felt safe, you had to like manage people's emotions and know, kind of predict almost mm-hmm. what they were thinking or doing or feeling so that you could avoid conflict. Mm-hmm which is basically people-pleasing. People don't realize that that is a survival skill. Yeah. And, you know, it can be exhausting as an adult to be, like, always trying to figure out where mm-hmm. people are at and trying to manage all of it. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we can address, the the, ex- the exhaustion and the reasoning behind the management. But yeah. ultimately, people-pleasing is not a bad thing. No. and Like, I think... being able to connect with folks and do things for folks and meet their needs is part of the being human. Yes. Jesse, your husband, actually oh. sent me a post the other day. Shout I out, Jesse. Um, and it was on people pleasing. And I thought this line was so beautiful. So I just wanted to pull it back up. And it was as kids, it kept us safe. As adults, it keeps us small. Hmm. So that's the part about people pleasing that we want to address is being able to take the strengths in it. Yeah. Of I like I'm a people pleaser. I identify as a people pleaser. And taking away the negative connotation of the strengths in me being a people pleaser is that I'm good at being considerate of others. I am receptive to people's needs. I'm able to like manage emotions in my relationships. But the downside is does it keep me small? So do I do mm. that at the expense of myself? Yeah. But I might have learned that through anything. It may not necessarily be a trauma response. I might have learned that being a woman, being a brown woman, you know, all of these things. Mm -hmm. But we're just pathologizing like innately human characteristics that all of us have. Yeah. At what point do we just get to be human and be flawed and be imperfect without everything needing a diagnosis to be fixed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it also reminds me of our episode on putting ourselves first. Because that's a part of it. You know, when we're quote unquote people pleasing, 
we're putting people first. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times we're, tr- we're trying to meet their needs. We're trying to meet their expectations without thinking of ourselves, you know, in a way, another way of saying that it keeps us small. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, a relationship needs to go both ways, right? We need to make sure that we're not always first mm-hmm. or that we're not always last, whatever that means in whatever right. situation, right? Because it's not all about us. No. And that's that's key here. I think that's Ooh, part of trauma yeah. responses is that a lot of people have made it have made us believe that it's all about us and we're the center of attention and yes. we deserve and everything in the world and mm-hmm. we need to be validated for everything. Yeah. It's like fuck no. Yeah, and I mean we can be I'm going to I'm going to challenge push back a little oh, bit. Oh, sure. Go because for it. I do think that all of our experiences, emotions, thoughts can be validated. That doesn't mean they have to be agreed with and come with the absence of accountability, right? So it's like I can be very valid in saying like I struggle with something. So say for example like I struggle with anger, right? Mm-hmm. Like if that's something that I identify with, I can validate that it makes sense that I struggle with anger. Yeah. But I find that a lot of what's happening in pop culture is if I label my anger or struggles with anger as a trauma response, it kind of like negates this responsibility. Yeah. It's a pass. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's just a trauma response. There's almost like this helplessness or like lack of control added to it when it's like, okay, I might struggle with anger because of experiences that I've had and because it's a way that I learned to feel safe or protected or Mm -hmm. navigate the world. And as an adult, I'm still accountable for learning how to shift that. Yeah, I I think the thing with validating or valid experiences is that it has also been misconstrued as as to what that means. The way you're saying it is the acknowledgement of where Mm -hmm. it comes from and like, oh, it makes sense that my response is this. Yeah. Does that justify it? Does that excuse it? No. Yeah. We're we're losing that piece when we say not we as you and I, but I think a lot of people especially in social media you can see where the validation piece is getting lost into like this idea of like oh you're okay because this is a trauma response that you're not responsible for it. Your parents were responsible for your yes. for what they did to you. It's like, well, it is not that simplified. Yeah. And I think as you're saying that, like an important distinction that I like to make is that validation doesn't mean agreement. Yeah. So absolutely. agreement is with content. Validation is with experience. So if you came to me and said, I struggle with anger issues, like because growing up, like I had really explosive parents or really explosive siblings. Yeah. And that's the only way that I learned how to show up in the world. Like, cool. I'm going to say that's how you figured out how to get your needs met. That because everybody was really angry and explosive, you also had to learn to be really angry and explosive. Mm-hmm. That makes so much sense to me. And how can we support you in knowing that you can get your needs met yeah. without being angry and explosive? Yeah. Validation. Agreement is... Acknowledgement. Yeah. Yeah. Agreement is, oh, yeah, it totally is your family's fault yeah. that you're yeah. angry. And that's not your fault at all. And of course you don't have to do anything about it. And I'm bringing up this anger example because it's like I've worked with couples Mm. where this comes up and this is where this pop culture trauma response is so hindering to the work is once something's labeled as a trauma response, that becomes the cop out of doing the personal work. It's like my partner just needs to accept that my anger is the trauma response. Yeah. And that's not my fault. 
just because something isn't my fault, just because I didn't choose it. Just even if it is a trauma response, which I'm going to bet that 90% of what y'all are self-diagnosing as trauma responses on social media are not actually trauma responses. Oh, absolutely. But even if it is. We're still accountable and responsible to handle that and deal with it. And I know we're going to get a lot of shit for this. You think so? Absolutely. Because I think there is this idea that people that have been in traumatic experiences mm-hmm. are survivors or victims or, and all these different things. It's like, oh, so are we victim blaming here? It's like, no, we're not victim blaming. I think there comes a point in our journey that we need to hold ourselves accountable to the responses that we're doing now. Yes, and... I think what I'm speaking, like what we're speaking to, sorry, not I'm, is kind of like the everyday human behavior stuff. Like yes. for me, something that I would say like is not, is is out of our control is like if you have PTSD symptoms. Absolutely. And you're having Absolutely. like. That's very different like, though. You know, but though that's what I would classify as, as like trauma true trauma response, yeah. right? Yeah. Where it's like there's a response for me that when I hear a certain noise, I jump. Because I've been in, like, life or death situations. Um, And not to minimize, like, we believe that all trauma across the board is impactful in our lives. It doesn't have to be, like, big T versus little T trauma. No. But I think it's, it's, there's this discernment that isn't happening, Mm -hmm. right? Like, me having flashbacks and nightmares based on highly, highly unsafe situations in my life is not the same as me being a people pleaser. Yeah. Because that helped me get ahead in the world. Yeah. It, or not ahead. That was a weird way. Help me survive, survive in the world. in the world, yeah. I just, I feel like there's layers to it that are missed. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, I'm just being a shithead today um, <laughs> with that. Because I think it's also like... Just today? Uh, sometimes. I think there's also like, and I could just hear it in my head because I've I've heard people do this. I've seen people do it on social media. It's like, well, are we comparing traumas or traumatic experiences and see which one's more traumatic versus which one's less traumatic? No, we're no. not. What we're saying is that people pleasing comes from this place of survival, that, as we explained earlier, and then things like nightmares or terrors and um. Even flashbacks flashbacks and and memories and stuff. Those are very, very much trauma responses to a certain experience. Yeah, I think it's just, it comes down to semantics again for me, right? Like, yes, all of these things are trauma responses. And I don't think in my work I ever label stuff, even if it's like... A flashback. Yeah, maybe if it's a flashback, but... I feel like the nuances are so important. Like, and we're using people pleasing as the example, but there's so many on social media. Like I was just looking this up and you know, things like, oh, I overanalyze, that's a trauma response. Maybe it came from wanting to seek safety as a child. Is it necessarily a bad thing? Or maybe I'm just an analytical person. Yeah. Or apologizing a lot. Yeah. For everything, quote unquote. Or is that just culturally Canadian? <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know, like it's just we can't simplify it that yeah. I do this because of trauma. We can say maybe that had an impact. Yeah. We can say maybe this went to meet some unmet needs or a sense of safety. And I think I prefer that language because it's more hopeful. Yeah. Because if it's, oh, I'm doing this to meet the need of safety, 
is it meeting the need of safety? Sometimes it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about it like, you know, for someone who, let's say, like, they over-apologize for everything, mm-hmm. you know, is it a Canadian thing or is it just a trauma response? Or is, I think, it, as you say, you know, it's not nuanced enough. It's too sim- simplified in terms of this conversation because, let's say, if it's someone that is apologizing for taking up space mm-hmm. and walking around in the world, mm-hmm. that's different versus another kind of approach to apologies. Apologizing because I bump into people a lot because I'm clumsy. Like, that's legitimate. Yeah. I can apologize for that. The other one that comes to mind that I was mentioning to you was, like, I've seen ones where it's like, if you watch the same movies and TV shows. That's what I do. That's a trauma. Yeah, and I do it too. And it's an intentional thing. Like, sometimes I know that a need that I have to feel comforted is familiarity and predictability. And so sometimes I have the capacity to watch a new show and take in information where I don't know what's going to happen next. But sometimes it's just really comforting to be able to know. mm -hmm. I think for me it's kind of more of an anxiety thing, which could be a trauma response. But (laughs) here we are. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also I just enjoy things that I enjoy. Yeah. That's it. There doesn't need to be this big reasoning or whatever behind it yeah there are studies that actually prove this and at the same time it's like studies are flawed Mm -hmm. studies are based on a very small number of people or studies don't prove things they support things exactly and so it's like eh, is it a trauma response is it anxiety i don't know but guess what here i am enjoying parent trap for the 300 millionth time (laughs) i love that that's the example you gave because I saw someone w- wearing one of the t-shirts that Lindsay Lohan wore in the movie mm, today okay, on okay. Instagram. So it's just front it's of just mind. fresh. But also, we stand on Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> so now as we're, like, talking about it, I don't necessarily know if it's, like, the conceptualization. Because if someone wants to say, I picked up this behavior or I learned this as a result of trauma... Or, like, as a way to feel safe or feel protected, I have less of a problem with that than well, I but do also, with, like, oh, I do this. This is a trauma response. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's just that phrase that irks me. I Yeah, I guess it's uh, it's also social media, so it's overly simplified for mm-hmm. sure. But I think there's also a part where I'm kind of challenging this whole conversation mm-hmm. of, like, who are we to tell people what their trauma responses are? And, and are we minimizing trauma by saying... This yes. stuff is inaccurate. And my issue, my other issue, I guess, is how it's being weaponized and mm-hmm. used as an excuse for shitty behavior. Or weaponized and being used to pathologize yes. people. Uh, yes. That's because of your trauma instead of, like, having compassion and understanding. Yeah. So I think like what we're speaking to, and this is exactly why we want to have these conversations, is it's not black and white, it as we say not. probably 800 times a day. It lives in the gray. It lives in the gray. Trauma responses also live in the gray. And I think just getting like really critical or like curious about this information that we're consuming. Not just hearing, oh, I saw on TikTok that if I do this, it's a trauma response. Just like, oh, that might be a trauma response for some people. That might also be hindering for some people. But maybe it's not for me. I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like the curiosity piece. I love, I love just being able to say like, I don't know to everything. Oh yeah. When, when clients ask me something like, is this, I mean, very rarely that happens, but specific questions of like, is this a trauma response or is this it? Or are you seeing progress? And mm. I, I don't want to deviate in the topic. I'm like, I don't know. What do you think? How do you feel? And certain, depends on what they're asking, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised that you say, like, you don't get asked this a lot because I actually, and I think stemming from social media, I get asked a lot by clients, like, oh, do you think I do this because of this? Or do you think, like, this is because of this? And I'll always say, like, I don't know. It could be. Like, why do we want to know? Because not everything is a problem to be figured out or solved either. Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes it's, like, just allowing ourselves to be human. If It could be, but what? why does it really matter to me if it is? Right. So, for example, is my need to watch shows repetitively a trauma response? Who cares? Yeah. Like, is it is it harming me? Is it harming other people? Not really at all. Is it hindering my life? It actually makes it a little bit better. Totally. The other thing that like just, you know, I I have I've had folks like often because I work with like binge eating disorder clients. And this is a bit of a stray from trauma specifically but leading to the point of the oversimplification is like now there's a lot of links being made between like adhd and eating disorders and so now a lot of clients will be like well do i have binge eating disorder because i have adhd Mm. it's like the chicken or the egg yeah i'm like i don't know well like and also like i think everyone's getting diagnosis of adhd but it's like but it's also like does it change how we respond to it and how we work with it Right. So does it change how I help you set boundaries and say no if we conceptualize people pleasing as a trauma response or not? It shouldn't. No. I think maybe sometimes what it can offer is more like self-compassion. Yeah. And clarity of, okay, well, it makes sense that I, I might do this and that it might come from these places. But I think like the tentativeness and the complexity need to be held there. Yeah. And it comes back to our one of our first episodes of season one, the the harm that diagnosis can mm-hmm. cause. And sometimes it doesn't cause harm. It causes like clarity and, and kind of like, fuck, yes, this makes more sense now. Yeah. But it's the overuse, the oversimplification, the weaponizing. Yeah. Like that's the stuff that's getting really problematic. And again, I've said this before as much as I'm like really happy that mental health is being spoken about more, that it's more public. It, it's problematic in the sense it that is. Th- it's being oversimplified, right? It's the same way with, like, any other profession. I know that, like, you know, doctors have an issue with, like, medical information that's being spread on social media and the inaccuracy Wild. of that. Yeah. You know, personal trainers have the, ina- the same thing about, like, movement stuff being. Yeah. And so I think that's where it becomes misinformation, yeah. But it's also the professionals themselves. Like, I've seen counselors posting this kind of stuff. Oh, absolutely. I think there are counselors that, that will address or adhere to the pop culture psychology bullshit that because they we dislike. Be influencers. Well, like, even that, like, and I'll take it to the medical field when this doctor that was saying, that did the study on how vaccines caused autism. Quote unquote. Quote unquote, which is has been dismantled, has been discredited. It wasn't 
a, a real study. Like it was all a lie, mm-hmm. but people still believe that. Mm-hmm. And it's because even then when this was kind of acknowledged, media did not put it on blast like they did with the first part. Right. So it's like, okay, so what are, what, are, and this is where it, I know it gets kind of exhausting for folks, let's say, out of their, the field, you know, mm-hmm. if they're not doctors or therapists or nurses or in the healthcare field or do this kind of work. It's like, so what do we believe? What is true? What is not true? But I think that's why, like, just the skill of critical thinking and curiosity is so important. We can't take anything that we just consume on mm-hmm. out of media as fact. And I don't think enough of us maybe had the opportunity or like the privilege to learn that skill. And so there's another thing of kind of challenging our conversation on oh, this. Absolutely. It's like if somebody didn't have the financial means to access therapy, yeah. then maybe this is really offering them that opportunity. That to, opportunity to learn, to learn about more, themselves yeah. and get curious. And maybe like we talked about before, it just involves like having disclaimers or like, yeah. you know, saying this is one experience. It doesn't necessarily fall true for everybody. And even when I think about like critical thinking, that's often something that's taught in like post-secondary. Oh. And if somebody didn't have access to education. So it, it is a privileged thing. Yeah. To be able to think about the nuances. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, this is something that I do tell my clients, you know, when... I sometimes will make recommendations that are either TED Talks, books, podcasts, or kind of any kind of conversation that is related to what we're working on. And it's just more of a complimentary thing Mm -hmm. of our work, right? Because why not? And I tell them, remember that this is, if it's a TED Talk, for example, like Mm -hmm. this is one person with their own lived experience, with their own research that is always biased. I don't care what anybody tells me. Research is always biased. Always. Always. And I don't do absolutes, but this is the one where I will die on a hill. But everything is always biased. Like, our conversation right now is biased. Oh, absolutely. Because you and I share a viewpoint on this. Mm -hmm. And so I tell them, do your research. Take it with a grain of salt. What works for you? What doesn't work for you? What you agree with? What you don't agree with? bring it into the into the session and we can discuss that and we can explore it more and be more nuanced about it. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, like, and I love that they, I have clients that come back to me and they're like, I hated that. I didn't yeah. agree with it or I don't think that this person was, you know, whatever. And then there are clients where that come back to me and it's like, oh, I resonated so much with that information and it made me think about mm-hmm. my own experiences in these ways. You know, there's a book that I recommend a lot, and I think this is a perfect example. The full name is Velvet Rage, Growing Up Gay in a Straight Man's World. And it's divided into three parts, basically. Anger, shame, and authenticity. But here's the thing. This is a white therapist in California working mostly with white clients who yeah. are gay, right? So, and, and, and it's also based on California. Mm-hmm. California is one of the most openly supportive of gay folks or queer folks and if i'm not mistaken this guy was in san francisco Mm -hmm. so here we are right Mm -hmm. and so i tell my clients you know this is a book that has some really good stuff Mm -hmm. and at the same time you might not relate to all of it so take it with a grain of salt take it you know see what experiences kind of jump out at you and kind of resonate with you and what don't Mm -hmm. what doesn't resonate with you Mm -hmm. leave it throw it out whatever 
I resonated with some things, but I, re- I didn't resonate with everything. I grew up in Dominican Republic, Catholic country, you know, and this is like, okay, this is a very different story. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can relate to that in that, like, you know, I often work with, like, South Asian folks, and there's that page on Instagram, wonderful page. I, her first name is escaping me, but it's called Brown Girl Therapy. Mm, yeah. And, you know... It's from the view of like first generation children of immigrant parents, which is very much my demographic, my own identity, but not everything that's written there applies to me, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And being able to say like, okay, I can take this piece and it fits and it helps me grow and adapt in ways that make my life and my relationships better as opposed to... I take it on and then I shame myself or I use it as a way to escape accountability for change. Like those are two very different ways of consuming that information, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think kind of bringing it back to the trauma responses piece is like with everything, it has to be more nuanced. It has to be more criticized and reflected on because not everything is fucking the world is against me. Yeah kind of thing at this point we should just get the word nuance tattooed onto us we should get matching (laughs) matching nuance tattoos so let's kind of bring it back to some of the things that we've mentioned earlier but one of the things that i do want us to talk about a little bit more is like you know taking responsibility for our own shit Mm -hmm. because i think there is a part of like these trauma responses that kind of take away that accountability and responsibility and I think one of the the things that the first thing that comes to mind where we're not taking responsibility for our own shit is that it keeps us stuck. And here's the thing. We're not responsible to what was done to us. We're not responsible to what, you know, our parents did to us or our siblings or our teachers or the world, the universe, whoever. Yeah, perpetrators. Perpetrators, yeah. And there is a part of us that it is that is responsible to kind of address it. And navigate yeah. that and figure out how to get past that in some way or form. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, as you're saying that, I don't think that when we're saying like lack of accountability, that it's always like we've kind of talked about it from like the cop out perspective mm-hmm. of like, again, probably not conscious. Sometimes yeah. it can be really painful to look at some of the places in which we need to learn and grow. Oh, absolutely. It is painful for the most part. And so I think for some people, that lack of accountability comes from that avoidance piece, mm-hmm. right? Like the emotional avoidance. And then I think another thing that comes up, though, is when everything is labeled as a trauma response, when my humanness is pathologized, it also leads to this, like, lack of power and this helplessness, right? So I think people even engage with this content differently where some people are like, okay, it's a cop-out. Like, it's just my trauma response. So I can kind of blame everything on that. But then there's, there's another population of folks that are like, how can I change something that was so out of my control and I feel so helpless and I feel so hopeless and I meet so many folks that are like saturated in this shame and helplessness narrative of like, well, things will never get better because I can't change what happened to me. You know what this reminds me? Hmm. Maybe I have said it before, but I know, but I'm not sure, but I've also, but I've said it to my clients or some clients at least a question that my therapist asked me, how is my behavior 
impacting the people around me? Mm-hmm. How is my behavior or my way of being impacting the people around me? Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of those questions that I will never fucking forget. Mm-hmm. Because it is so important. I think this is what's lacking based on what you were saying, you know, it's part of what's lacking of pop psychology when people, oh, that's a trauma response, and then just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. You know? And so it's like a big, big piece of reflecting back and thinking like, no, okay, what what am I doing here? Because, mm-hmm. what you know, we can't change what happened to us in the past. There's no, no way we can do that. Mm-hmm. And we're in the present or moving towards the future. What mm-hmm. are we doing differently? What are we doing to, you know, leave that in the past in some way or another. Yeah, and I think it's, like, I would add the question, like, I, I love how is it impacting other people. And then I also know that so many of the folks that I work with, like, that's all they think about. Mm. So then, like I was saying, like, those two ends of the spectrum, right? Yeah. We're on one end of the spectrum. It's that lack of accountability, yeah. that not acknowledging how it's impacting our relationships, how it's impacting our partners, our friends, our loved ones when we're not taking accountability yeah. for the way that our behaviors are impacting those things. Mm-hmm. But then there's that other element of also, how is this keeping me stuck in, in my unhappiness in my isolation in my you know behaviors whether it's eating disorder behaviors addiction like you know anger issues boundary issues like whatever Mm -hmm. that is because I think about that that part of it of getting to a point where we can understand that things that happen to us can shape us and can lead to things, but that we're not helpless in changing those. Exactly. So I think it's taking accountability and also increasing like empowerment Mm -hmm. and hope of just because something happened to me that was out of my control, that was awful, that was unjust, that might have resulted in some of these things that could like affect my well-being today. Yeah doesn't mean that I don't have the power to change those. So I think mm-hmm. we're kind of going at, at the end of like the cop out. And I I definitely know that there's people out there that are saying like cop out excuse, like not taking accountability. Yeah. But then I also want to have compassion for folks that almost overdo that. Overdo it, yeah. And, and go to, I'm hopeless, I can't change because it's a trauma response <laughs> and it's out of my control to change a trauma response. It's like, mm. it's not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. This, is I, why, this is why I like talking with you because you can put it in nice words. <laughs> a little bow tie word. See, when I'm saying it, it doesn't feel like nice words. Trauma response. No, <laughs> but I think you know it's like that piece, and I I think that like one thing that comes up for me even as we're talking about this is whether it's a trauma response or not. However, you want to label it. Yeah. All of these things that we do are learned. They're Absolutely. learned somewhere along the way. And what I always say to clients... It's nature and nurture. But everything that can that is learned can be unlearned. Yeah. And we can always learn something different. Yep. Neuroplasticity. Our brain has the ability and cap- capability of learning and creating new neural pathways mm-hmm. for new behaviors. Beautiful. Look yeah. at us. We're so smart. So we're such nerds. Yeah. That's what we are. Probably a Speak trauma for response. Yourself. I'm really cool. Uh, <laughs> Fuck de- you. Debatable. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Another thing that you were mentioning earlier, 
and I'm, I'm kind of throwing it back at you, but seeking safety in these behaviors. Yeah, I think that's at the core. Like for me, conceptualizing quote unquote trauma responses as either our brain, our body, our inner child's way of seeking safety mm-hmm. as opposed to a trauma response feels so much more empowering to me. And it feels like, you know, then we can say, okay, if it's meeting the need of safety, is this a way that I want to be meeting my need for safety? Because maybe it is, and maybe it doesn't harm my relationships and it doesn't harm me. Like I'll go back to my example of watching repetitive TV shows. I can definitely at the core say that that's meeting my need of seeking safety Mm -hmm. because predictability and kind of like familiarity feels safe for me. Yeah. Is it harming anyone? Is no. it impacting my life in negative ways? No. So I can ask myself, is this way of seeking safety working for me? Yeah. And if it is, even if it's a trauma response, I don't have to change it. Yeah. I don't have to think it's Well, a bad it's very thing. similar to the coping mechanisms and people saying like, oh, unhealthy, unhealthy or whatever, good or right. bad and all these different things. It's like, well, is it helping you navigate this and deal with it and stay afloat and it's not harming other people and it's potentially not harming you, then why is it bad? Mm -hmm. I hear a lot about using sex as a coping skill. It's like, are you taking, are you, you know, being protect, like, is it safe? Is it safe for you? Like, are you feeling like, like, are you harming someone else? Are you harming yourself? No. Okay. Then go for it. Have all the sex that you want. And I also think about, is it the only thing you're using? Exactly. If it's the only thing you're using, then you need to, diversify yeah like if i only feel safe watching the same tv shows over and over again i need to find other ways to feel safe yeah and i think this is and this might be for another episode or or maybe you know but there's a very distinctive difference between safety and being uncomfortable and that i think Mm. has been lost in social media and pub psychology of like everything is unsafe everything is you know yeah whereas like no you're uncomfortable yeah, and I so think... So it's like the, differentiating those two is quite important. And for our next episode, we're going to talk about like triggers and I think that would tie in really yeah. well. So we're going to carry on from this conversation and that's such a beautiful thing to note down. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just think about like asking ourselves the question. So I guess like kind of to get to the end of the episode, we're like, okay, well, it's all bullshit and, every, and we don't want to leave everybody like in a hopeless place. But... Let's look at, like, how can we use this information that we're receiving to our benefits in a nuanced, like, critical thinking kind of way. Mm -hmm. And I think some of those questions that we just asked about, like, okay, is this providing me with a sense of safety and protection that I might have learned somewhere early in my life or it's meeting a need that I didn't have met early in my life? Is it harming others? Is Is it it harming harming me? me? And is it my only thing that I use? Like, those are kind of questions that I think with any client, trauma or not, I'd be asking about a behavior if they're saying that they want to change it. Yeah. I often have clients coming in, they're like, I need to work on this. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Like, why do you need to work on it? Is it actually a problem? Or are we just making everything about being human a problem? Yeah. Or everything about being different a problem? Um, Well, different from what? different from capitalist, patriarchal, white supremacist, yeah, exactly. heterosexual standards. <laughs> Great response. Yeah. But yeah, like what else do you think? So leaving kind of listeners with if they're watching a TikTok and they see some of this stuff and they resonate with it, 
how can we support folks with self-reflective questions yeah. to engage in their own work with. Yeah, and I think it's part of, you know, if we talk about it as well as, like, in terms of self-compassion and being curious, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, what's the reason I'm responding in this way? Or what's the reason that I'm feeling this way, you mm-hmm. know? When was the first time I felt this way? When was the first time I responded in, or mm-hmm. behaved in this manner? What was going on at that point in my life or in my environment? And how did I feel in that moment? Mm -hmm. Is it similar to now, right? And so it's like being very, very curious without the judgment piece Mm -hmm. of like, oh, I'm broken. I need to be fixed or I need to change this behavior because my ex told me that I needed to change that. It's like, no. Mm -hmm. It's like, here are some of the things that make sense and how do we acknowledge that that is also part of being human. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Curiosity curiosity without judgment and i also think asking yourself like if you come across one of those things that say this is a trauma response and you want to take that label on again like we've said if it resonates if it offers you something that's yours to take but i would just ask myself like how is it serving me to label it in this way yeah like is it serving me by helping me get more compassion for myself to get more curious about my experience to empower me to do something about it to empower me to take accountability yeah or is it shaming me is it adding to feelings of helplessness am i using it as an excuse to mistreat myself and other people yeah because looking at like yeah i think always i'm always curious about like what is the function what Mm -hmm. is the function of labeling something as a trauma response And sometimes it might be functional. Mm. And sometimes it's very dysfunctional. Yep. And also, can, will it change the way that I re- respond to this part of myself by labeling it a trauma response? Like, does it really matter? Good question. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's something that everybody needs to think about. Does it really matter to be labeled a trauma response? Mm-hmm. Is it a coping mechanism? Is it... Is it something Learned that I can behavior. just notice and yeah. accept? Yeah. Right? Like, I'm trying to think of an example. Okay, well, one of the ones that we came across on TikTok was, like, overanalyzing. Yeah. I am an overthinker through and through. I always joke that I'm a professional overthinker for other people now because I'm a therapist. Yeah. But it's like, is that something that I have to be like, oh, that's a trauma response? Or is that anxiety? Or can I just say, can I just accept it? Or that you're just an analytical person. I'm just a person who thinks a lot. The way there are other people that are more creative or less analytical and more kind of practical, whatever, you know? Yeah, is that just something about me that makes me who I am Mm -hmm. that doesn't have to be a problem? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So much, so much to think about, so much to reflect on. And I think it's, it's important that we do mm-hmm. and i think that's part of the work that that comes with the ter- uh, part of the work that comes with counseling and psychotherapy and yeah even social justice absolutely and i think you know kind of maybe wrapping it up here and we're going to be picking up in our next, next episode, episode kind of balancing off of this conversation and moving into more like the triggers activation part of trauma and what that really means and pulling that apart and the safety versus uncomfortable totally yeah and so 
Um, we would love to hear your thoughts. I know that we unpacked a lot. We contradicted ourselves throughout this. Yeah. Because these are not clear-cut things. Yeah. And, and these are conversations that we don't plan. We make a few notes of like, okay, what are what is the direction that we want to go? But it, we're just debating. And we see so many different sides of it. So we'd be so curious to hear about folks' perspectives that maybe we didn't give enough attention to or that we didn't touch on at all. Um, but yeah, I think that's I think probably this is a good place, a good place to, to wrap up. Yeah. Until next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. We would love to hear your thoughts, feedback, or episode ideas. You can find us on Instagram at therapy.afterhours or email us at therapyah.podcast at gmail.com. Just a reminder that although we are therapists, we are not your therapist. And this podcast is not a substitute for therapy or other mental health services. In the event that one of us is your therapist, we invite you to bring any responses to our episodes into your sessions. Bye Bye for for now. now.